0: Welcome to another edition of Beyond Sunday. Uh, My name is Christian. I'm one of the pastors and elders at Cornerstone. I'm here alongside of the Reverend Todd Nyswanger and... um, Spencer McCush and I couldn't
1: figure good, good dramatic pause there. <laughs> you, who are you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Dear friend, uh, longtime long time part of Cornerstone, Spencer McCush. And we are here with Robin Albanese, the grand matriarch of Cornerstone. And uh, we are here to have a g- good discussion. Actually today we're we're all a little loopy, but um we're or at least I am. Well, we're going to continue our discussion through uh, the Great Commission. We spent the summer working through phrase by phrase through the Great Commission. And then to wrap things up, um, Todd, you took us back to some of the little narrative texts before Jesus' commission about how the disciples went where Jesus told them to go. They were there. They were present. They were available. And you used that idea throughout your message that, that... phrase uh, that the greatest ability was their availability. You just walk us through that why why do you feel like that was the the finale that you wanted to bring to the series? Why is that so important for us to know about?
2: Yeah, I think what was cool about that particular text that when I was studying it like I don't remember which of the commentators said, "Hey, here's the point of this text initially." The fact that they were there. Hmm. Like and that was his major point. Like he goes, "I don't know if we can stress enough the significance that these particular people whether it's 11 or or 500 or, mm-hmm. or anything in between he just he he was like man like the significance that they were there and they were where Jesus told them to be i mean the big thing was it's like i don't know if we can st- stress that enough like how important that is right because it's before his resurrection after his resurrection they were told <clears throat> be there three mm-hmm. different times and then the, the cool part about it is, is that they were then there. And I think so often, and especially the way we've walked through this idea of the Great Commission, is we sometimes, if we're not careful, can think that the Great Commission is dependent upon mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And yet God doesn't use people's, what we think of as our abilities, our capacities, our intellect, you know, whatever it is, is that he uses available people, right? Because he can use anybody. And so I think, like, that was just what was so significant to me, which is why I wanted to save it for the very end, is just to be that place where, man, it doesn't matter who we are, that concept of being available to Jesus, just mm-hmm. making ourselves available is, I think, an absolutely huge thing. And so, yeah, that just—that's so stuck out to me. And I think it's actually something on a personal level. Like, I've I've never seen myself as, like, the, the smartest of this or that. But I do remember early on in the middle of Nebraska, of all places, telling myself, okay, well, gosh, like whatever Jesus asks, like I just want to make myself mm. available, whatever that looks like, and not realizing like how significant of an actually of a decision that was early on in my walk with Jesus, just to be present in, in that usefulness for the kingdom. And So yeah, I just I think that's huge for the church.
0: I mean, I I so agree. Even as you said that, it made me reflect back on even just sometimes as a kid, just those faithful teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders who would say, "Hey, look at David, look at Josiah," or you know, like in in the book of uh, James when he says Elijah was a man just like us, right? Like the sense of what was the difference was there was this there was a, a readiness and a willingness and say, "Lord, if this isn't about what I bring to the table, but what you can do through me." Use me. Yeah. I think that's a, that's huge. Yeah.
1: I think there's also an aspect of that though, of it's a simple thing that you're saying here, making yourselves available, but how countercultural that is and how much that, that defies like our community standard at some mm-hmm. point. I mean, For these 12 or 500, um, to follow a a guy who just a short time before was crucified, who was raised from the dead, I mean, so much like just uncertainty around that at that time to show up where he told them to probably didn't make a lot of sense Mm. but they did it right and going okay they were willing to reorient their lives around something that didn't quite make sense and going okay now fast forward that into to my life here and going man to your point to make ourselves available it does require us to do some things that might not make sense though and it requires a degree of of maybe sacrifice and reorientation that probably is foreign to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. I know it's foreign to me. I mean it requires that reorienting and re- rewiring of my kind of the way I make sense of the world if yeah. that makes sense. But it matters immensely, right? If we're going to if we're going to be faithful to make disciples, we've got to allow that to happen. Yeah,
2: and I think I think we've talked about this, but I really do believe it one of the greatest obstacles right now to engaging in the gospel in our our time is our lack of availability. Yeah. Like I really do. And that's why this one is so huge is that I think it, it, it's that reorienting life in and around like what Jesus is doing um, and realizing that that Jesus is powerful. He can use us, however. It's that though we are we need to be willing participants in what, what is going on here. And I was, I was, it was funny. I was talking with my, my oldest son about this and he's, see he said, yeah, I was, I was, I was listening to you, dad. I go, that's good. You know? <laughs> and he goes, Hey, like, do you think there were people though that didn't show up that later on were like, Oh man, you know, I missed it or I wasn't there. And I go, I go probably, probably they were. He goes, Oh, that would have just stunk. And I think there's that side of it right where it's like how much do we 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 miss out on because we just aren't available. So
0: yeah, I think there's something there's there's something sneaky simple about this idea of to be available. It's not as easy as we think, and it's also not just hey, show up and just do whatever comes to your mind. There still is this intentional process of learning to walk like Jesus as part of it. But you're right, I think like you won't make any progress if you don't Show up if if there's not a there's not an availability. So we'll get into that a little bit more as we talk in just a minute. All right. So if this idea of making ourselves availability, protecting, carving out availability in our lives, um, is is essential to making progress as disciples, but if it's not as just simple flip a switch and it'll happen if it's not neo getting kung fu downloaded into his brain and now i just know how to do it like maybe walk us through that like as, as you see maybe add a little bit of complexity to this for us
2: you know yeah well for me it was like i mean i think the thing i enjoyed about teaching through this and you and i would talk about it was just our time in matthew which is mm-hmm. why i'm excited we're going to be teaching the book of matthew right because it's it tells the story of how Jesus did prepare mm. the his followers for the readiness for that right and yeah. and i think that was where just the idea of the backpack he was he truly was packing that bag and preparing mm-hmm. them for it but i like i think the thing that stuck out to me the most was that he didn't he didn't give them the great commission in Matthew 1 in fact from the very beginning like in John 1 and then he builds himself right into especially John 3 John mm-hmm. 4 is that he's inviting them along just to say initially, look, make yourselves available. Just just come and see. Yeah, that That's really all I'm asking initially. Just come and be a part of seeing what, what I'm doing. And so the initial ask of them wasn't like, okay, now you're going to go change the world. It was, no, I am changing the world. Um, you know, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. I am going to adjust the world, no doubt about it, transform it. But... Just come and see, right? And in fact, he doesn't, he just says that statement and follow me in John 1 is all he does. Well, you know, this then, though, after they kind of watch him for a little bit and man, they got to see some crazy stuff. And this was probably for about the first year. Mm, Yeah. Is they're watching him do all kinds of things from his initial miracle of changing water into wine, they're watching him engage people, they're watching him engage people from all different walks of life. But I think then all of a sudden, right? He does turn to, to to Peter, James, John. He turns to Matthew even at one point, and he. It's no longer just follow me. It's now follow me, and I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to make you fish some in. I'm going to I'm going to do a work in you. And there's even there a, a let go of <clears throat> something else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they drop your nets. Drop your nets. Yeah, with Matthew, it's like, hey, the tax collecting's over. Um, you need to now come with me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and in that you can just see that though is that it, within that first year th- it, it became oh yeah like this makes sense to me like yeah I, I'm I'm gonna follow Jesus and even at times right John six he tries to get rid of them and they're gonna where where do, we, where do we go you got the words of life yeah but then even you see this again where he takes another step and he says you're not you're not I'm not just making you into fishers of men, I'm now calling you alongside of me and I'm going to unleash you to join me in the world and you're going to do the things I did. And you see it now where, right, he sends them out and they go get involved in various forms of ministry. They're casting out demons. They're healing people. Mm-hmm. They're bringing this message. He, He's walking them through this. They come back to him, you know, and and they're talking about what takes place and what was going on. But he's, he's walking them through this process of what he means by being present and available. So being present and available doesn't mean you just show up. He's showing them you're showing up to be involved in the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And then I think by, by the time now he, he, he he's he's getting ready to die, they're still kind of the keystone cops a little bit, right? They're mm-hmm. still trying to figure this thing out. And even when they show up, we know this, they exit, but even Peter's still thinking, oh, I'm going to go back to fishing, uh, John's trying to sort things out. Like all of them were trying to kind of figure this out, but then he lands this great commission on them. And all it then took was the spark of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and bang, mm-hmm. right? Off go these people that in Acts 4, there's that statement that they saw these guys and they're like, you've been with Jesus. Yeah. And so I think like each phase of that was this beautiful way in which Jesus walked them into and taught them how to make how to make yourself rightly available for the kingdom mm-hmm. and i think that's why for me like in when you put together when we put together the discipleship pathway how do we do the same thing with others mm-hmm. like give them the dignity to walk a path to learn this how jesus did it as best as we're able right but then seeing what that turns into and how transformative that is i think is just huge
0: yeah i think that's there there seems to be like you said there's a there's a graduated experience of availability. There's a, there's a, uh, it's funny as you were walking through that. It makes me think of something I've heard you say several times, Spencer's of this idea of like, when we talk about Jesus as King, how much of the kingdom does the King not rule? Mm-hmm. And maybe can you walk, like as you walked people through that before that sense of what does it look like to, to think in the big picture of your life, what does availability look like? Not just in your Sunday mornings or things like that, but.
1: Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Yeah, that idea of going if if our life is a, you know, is a series of all these compartments, right? And and I know it's not. I mean, we're a fully integrated people, but if if we think through compartments and go, yeah, there's a Sunday morning religious compartment or morality compartment or money or our jobs or our free time or family whatever, and go, yeah, how much how many of those compartments have we made Jesus the king over, or how much have we made them available to Jesus ruling over? And I think these guys are in that slow process of going, Oh no, we're we're allowing Jesus to be the king and be the absolute authority over all of these areas. But it wasn't just a a one-time decision that we went forward and prayed a prayer and all of a sudden All, all of a sudden Jesus is the king over everything. I mean, he is the king over everything, but what does it look like to to cede control to, the, and it, to those don't things.
2: You feel like in a book like Matthew, it, he was walking these guys through all those facets of life, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's everything from their small personal components of just eating, drinking, right? Like the normal everyday things we do, taxes, mm-hmm. government, right? He's 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 walking them through this process of like what it means to be available or what it means to give him truly lordship of every facet of life. Yeah.
0: Not retreat from all those things into some conclave up in the hill or something like that. But like in these very things, Hey, you're, is this available for me to tweak in your life? Are you? I was thinking about it when you were saying that. Of like when, you know, like, you share a Google Doc with someone and you have the option to share it with them as an editor or a viewer or a commenter. <laughs> and it's like I don't know. That was just yeah. that made sense to me. Okay, Lord, Which one like, am I going to allow? Yeah, Lord, I, do I want you to be a viewer where you can just see what I've got going on? Do I? You could also shift ownership of a document. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so you know, right? I mean, that is just okay. Like, as I, as I think about my life, okay. Lord, am I making this aspect of my life available to you, as the editor, as the owner? You can make wholesale changes in this. You can. I want you to teach me how to walk with you in this. Or is it one where it's like, hey, can you just give me a thumbs up on what I'm already wanting to do? Like, I, uh,
2: and I think it's just like it's everything from a Matthew 19, right, where you you see that with with the rich young ruler. Yeah. You you. See it internally to them when they're wrestling through authority, mm-hmm. how to how to steward authority rightly. He walks a lot through that towards the end of how mm-hmm. do we yeah. how do we do this right? Because once you get handed authority, now he he talk he starts talking a lot about servanthood mm-hmm. and and how to how to manage that. But it's it is so much of that availability is something that I think we forget. He took three and a half years yeah. to pack that bag. Yeah. And so I think we have to be careful when we also walk with others is to give them the dignity to walk a path, to learn, to grow, to ask questions, to make, I mean, they made a lot of mistakes and they continue to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and that where that was where for me, this idea of, of the Great Commission, that's where I think I was coming from in this idea of availability. It's not just a one-time act. It now becomes this ongoing reality of okay am i available mm. am i available here am i available with this am, am i holding anything back or am i truly yeah i think it's
1: important to note that that availability you're talking about isn't just availability of time but mm. it's it's availability of of my heart and how much yeah. am i giving access to jesus not just not just showing up physically somewhere but actually what is the orientation of my heart mm. you know what's the direction of my heart and is it open to the authority of Jesus being the king mm.
2: yeah which yeah. I, that's why I'm excited to teach through Matthew cuz yeah. we'll get to see all those nuances of how how the master Jesus walked with people through that right whether it was looking at a rich young ruler and saying okay we'll sell everything you have and follow me or if it's looking down at, at at them and going, who do people say that I am? I mean, there's just all these things of the of the posture, of the heart that he was never afraid to go to. Yeah, it
1: definitely wasn't a one size fits all oh, approach. No. Yeah,
2: which I think that's I think that was why that text. It was the it was the culmination of three and a half years, and so when they were present in there, it didn't just come in a a sudden vacuum. It was it was a long process of bringing them to that point
0: and there was a readiness yes. not just in them personally but there was a readiness because of the death and resurrection the victory of jesus that Amen. he goes it's time now for and they didn't even fully going. know yet right yeah the
2: giving the, obviously he's, he's been telling them about the holy spirit but they still didn't get it yeah until it lands on them and then bang yeah
0: it'd be fun to come back and talk about that what's that looked in our lives almost like what does it look like as we walk with others to look for an? a an appropriate level of, of availability, not that you hold back things, but just more like Jesus didn't send them to the nations day one. Yeah. There was a sense of, of a learning. And so how, do, how do we assess that sense of before the Lord readiness with it? would be fun to kind of talk yeah, about that I'm from that perspective. So we'll come back in a second and yeah. do that. All right, well, let's bring this, this whole idea of being available for discipleship. Um, let's try to hit the ground with it a little bit just like maybe maybe throw that this out to you guys first what does that look like in your own life you know whether recently or maybe during earlier or formative seasons of your walk with the lord like how 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 have you grappled with the the call to make yourself available
2: yeah yeah i think like looking back on it And this is where I appreciate friendship, Mm -hmm. because I feel like even each of you guys and even other people that have been in our lives have been pretty instrumental in like reshaping my understanding of Jesus's good lordship, right? Mm. So when I first came to know Jesus, there's the huge lordship debate, right? You know, about is Jesus Lord in my salvation? And little did I know that was merely going to be the kickoff to such a bigger discussion. But... Then I I think I went through a phase, especially at Cornerstone, where everybody was trying to do great, big, gigantic, wonderful things for Jesus. Mm. And I think there were a lot of us that went and did big things or thought we were doing maybe big things for Jesus. And right in front of our face was the opportunity to be available Mm. for to see the work of God, the kingdom being manifested right in front of us. And I, I do wonder like how much... how much we've missed Mm. on one level because we're always looking at this weird horizon of these big gigantic things that we're supposed to do for Jesus. But yet you read the life of Jesus and so much of it was just present. It was Mm -hmm. right in front of him. And it was, he was, I think he was really trying to show them that it's Mm. like, it's right in front of your face Yeah, on one level. And then I think the other thing that hit me over time is that idea, especially like with when when God starts talking, you know, about David, that He doesn't look at the outside; He looks at the the inward aspect of the man. He looks at yeah. the heart, right? And there's something about a people that are available that, if we're not careful, we can overlook mm-hmm. because we see maybe you know the Saul, the the tall, handsome guy, and miss the little ruddy, you know, David right in front yeah. of our face. And I think just that idea of man churches that. That really zero in and and see that person that's available as highly highly valuable in the kingdom, mm-hmm. and to not look over them as these ones that you know oh, there's more talented, there's more able or what you know whatever, yeah. but seeing like what's in front of us right now, which again Jesus, you said this earlier in a meeting we were in, Christian, you talked about Nicodemus only getting like a sliver of time, but yet yeah. Peter, a numbskull, Right. He got three and a half yeah. solid years with Jesus. Now, it's like if you were gonna choose your team, who would you choose? Well Nicodemus, right? The, the teacher great of Israel, teacher of right? Israel. <laughs> or do you want Peter, you know, the foul mouthed idiot that you know, the, the a fisherman. And yet Jesus, that's who he saw. The wow. the guy that says, I'm available. And I think like re relearning that principle, um, is something that as God's been doing in my life over years. But
0: Yeah, I think that like I feel like that's been a prayer of mine lately too. Like, Lord, would you recalibrate my radar of, of and give me insight on who I, who I need to make myself more available to, right? I mean, obviously there's so many opportunities around after so many things, but am I available in the way that I need to be for my kids in the formative years that they are? Or, um, I think if I go back even earlier than that in, in my life, I think that was a huge part of my testimony as a kid who came to know the Lord at a young age, but it felt like there was like, okay, Lord, I'll do these things, but there's other stuff. Yeah. I won't go there. Right. Kind of the classic, like, don't send me to Africa kind of thing, you know, but I think it was really grappling with when Jesus says to the disciples shortly, right after Peter confesses, yeah, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, all right, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter goes, no, you can't do that. Right. Right and get behind me, Satan. And then he turns to all of them and he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that was the part that I think was like a 19 year old just stopped me in my tracks. That wasn't just the superstar pastor missionary kind of like professional Christians. If anyone would come after me, I think that was the part of going, Oh Lord, I don't get to dictate to you the terms on which I will relate to you. Mm-hmm. If, if your Lord I need to, and I want to be willing to do what you say and go where you say to go.
2: But then what's cool, which you really highlighted this reality, is that when we do take on his yoke, we find rest. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, like I think there's this weird side of it where it's like, okay, if I make myself available, if I, you know, really truly do this, oh my gosh, it's going to be overburdensome. It's going to be overbearing. But yet Jesus then says, no, actually you'll find Mm. authentic true rest in that which it's like and all of us have experienced that before. it's not as if it's not true. it's a very true statement. but my gosh, like what if what a counterintuitive thing yeah that you choose to really learn my lordship. Mm. you choose to take my yoke upon you, you are going to learn in a whole new way rest mm. yeah and that to me is like, wow, like availability mm-hmm. actually brings,
0: rest. It's that you're not kicking against the The goat. like like Jesus says to Paul, in the book of Acts, like, Hey, this is hard for you, isn't it? Like continually working against the grain of where I'm leading you. That's the path of most resistance. Most, I can't say the path of most resistance, not least resistance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm listening to you guys and I'm kind of going back over this whole series and going, for me, the wrestle of availability—I think it goes all the way back to where we started almost, and saying, "Okay, all authority yeah. has been given to me." When I when I started to understand Jesus's claim to being the King, that He has all authority, I would say that's that's for me where I started this wrestle, right? Of going, "Oh, oh, crap, Jesus." Jesus really is the king over all things. Oh, and this is what he's called me to do, make disciples. Okay, I need to teach other people. That means I also need to be taught. Yeah. What, you know, to obey what what it looks like for Jesus to be the king over all things. And so the I feel like the target has been clearly laid out for me, and Jesus has given me and not just me, all of us kind of the a call to like hey go do this now mm-hmm. and it's like well if he's the king and he's already established the target it might look different for each of us but that just that requires me to rethink and recalibrate and reimagine just about everything i do in my life and so now all of a sudden yeah, what can I be doing to make disciples? Because that's really what Jesus has called me to. How can I help these other image bearers who have been created in God's image to actually walk in a path where they can experience the good redemptive love Mm -hmm. of Jesus Mm -hmm. so that they in turn might reflect Jesus properly to the world around them? Okay, that that availability isn't just an availability of my time. That causes me to rethink everything about what I'm doing. Mm. Some things I might need to stop doing. Yeah. Some things I need to just do with more intentionality. Some things I probably just need to keep doing because I'm, uh, you know, and it's going, but in all those things, it, I think you said it well, Todd, of going losing the allure of doing the big thing mm. and just going, no, no, no. How can I help the people that God has entrusted relationally to me? How can I actually be faithful to make disciples with those folks? And going, man, if that's in my workplace, if that's my neighbors, if that's in youth sports, mm-hmm. if that's my own family, if that's me, you know, and just going, what does it look like to do that? I'll have to ask myself, you know what? Uh, Yeah. What does it look like for Jesus to to truly have all authority in this
0: area? And there's a really cool like Psalm 139, search my heart, Lord, that we do in this, right? Like to try to discern of like, Lord, is this something that I'm asking you to tag along with me and what I want to do, but but I, I want your blessing on it? Or is this truly something that I'm going? I think I'm doing this, walking hand in hand with you. This is me yoked to you, learning right. from you.
1: I think I think that's I think that's hmm. essential. I yeah. think inviting other believers exactly. to have access and allowing other spirit-filled like God does indeed speak through His Word but God also speaks through other Spirit-empowered and Spirit-filled people, so inviting them to speak into my life and look at my schedule and look at how I'm engaging with you know, my pursuit of youth sports or my you know, pursuit of you know, professional advancement and going, hey guys, do you see me being self-serving here or am I actually doing this in a way that actually is consistent and available with what Jesus has called us to? Mm-hmm. Those are terrifying things to invite people into, but I think they're essential.
0: Yeah, you're giving them not just the, you're not even getting, just inviting them in as commentators, but help help me edit this. Like, like, help me help me wrestle through this in my life. I think I think that gosh, when you when you said that, um, it just made me think of. I, I remember just even as I think about my life, those times when availability looks like, oh. I didn't expect it to go in that direction, but sure. And like, I remember uh, when I was a a college student here, and I think I was—I think you were still high school pastor. I was volunteering in the high school ministry at the time. I remember coming to you and saying, "Hey, uh, I'd love to do an internship uh, with you in high school ministry," and that was what I was gearing up for. I was super excited. I was being a youth ministry major and stuff, and then I remember sitting down with a guy named Chuck who was overseeing um, student ministry at the time, and he sits me down and says, "Hey, have you ever thought about fifth and sixth graders?" And I was like, I not since I was a fifth or sixth grader, I have not thought, thought about him once. And it was this sense of, oh, here's a different opportunity to get to, to learn and grow and, and love people. And I thought back to a, a conversation I had with you, Todd, at the very beginning when I first started serving in high school ministry with you. Where you said, do you have a heart for high schoolers? And I think I just was honest and went, I don't know. I see that scripture says that I need to love people. And high schoolers are people. So I want to learn how to love them. And in that same moment, that kind of like conversation came back to me to go, okay, this is, this is another opportunity. It may not be what I anticipated, but this is another opportunity to love people. Am I willing to learn Mm -hmm. and not go, okay, yeah, sure. I could fall out of bed and know how to do this. Is there going to be a sense of needing to learn and listen and seek guidance and ask other people's opinion? But I think as I, in the phrasing that we're using right now, I think there was a rustle of, would I be available for this, even if it wasn't what I had been intending? I just, I'm so, I'm grateful for that. Thank I'm grateful you, for that, man.
2: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, you guys, I thought what you just, both what you wrestled through, I do think this is an essential component of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Is not only helping others, but I feel like we are constantly, all of us, learning how to rearrange our yeah. lives, right, as best able to accomplish kingdom work. Yeah. And so what, what it might've looked like when you were 20 yeah. does yeah. not look like what it is when you're 30 does not look mm-hmm. great, right, nor where you live or all those different things. And I think like, I think for me, one of the things that, though, that that's kind of exciting. It's not this stale status quo thing, but there's this constant like relearning how to reorient life. Yes. Again, principles don't change, but this beautiful like creativity that's required to go, okay, in this scenario, what does it look like to reorient life? Yeah. And and, and I, I go back to again just that whole idea of yoking with Jesus, learning then what does it mean in that then to find authentic rest? Yeah. Like that's the place we find rest and, and, and honestly, like believing it, yeah. not just like talking it, but going, man, when we are to what you said, Spencer, earlier, when we are authentically engaged in the making of the disciples, of disciples, which Jesus called us to, you will find rest there. Yeah. You will find wholesomeness there, peace. You will find your heart's longing as a follower of Jesus. And that's what my hope is, even as we do all of this with Cornerstone is we all, learn, because we're all learning it, mm-hmm. right? In some level. Because I don't know if any generation has done a like, lately a great job of this whole make disciples <laughs> thing. So I feel like we're, we're having to learn from generations before us mm-hmm. and try to then figure out aspects. But, man, I want this for cornerstone. Yeah, just church that says, man, we, we may not have all the answers, but we're available. Yeah. It, for our time, our energy, and and to Spencer's point earlier, our hearts postured yeah. well.
0: I think back to the conversation that moses has with the lord at the burning bush especially the point he goes lord i don't don't speak well i I can't talk well and when the lord says to him i've made your mouth i'll be with your mouth i'll teach you what to say your your inability doesn't stop you i i can teach you and i and i i been thinking about that that little interchange between moses and the lord and then thinking of all the different places like especially in the sermon on the mount where jesus drops hard big truth it's hard to live into right turn the other cheek i don't know how to do that i have such a hardwired desire to retaliate okay but are you willing to make your other cheek available that jesus like yeah. forgive one another as the lord's forgiven you right i don't know how to forgive okay but can can you make yourself available to learn from jesus When he's being nailed to the cross, simultaneously asking the Lord to forgive those who are nailing him to the cross, we should all stop and worship and then go, that's the one I'm yoked to. Mm. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me how to walk in that path. And I think that sense of just, I don't know how to do this, but Lord, you do. Mm. And I want to learn from you. You know?
2: So I'm thankful we have friendships.
0: Absolutely. And why we, get to work this out together in the context of a local church, which is what this podcast is all about. So <laughs> it may be a little while till you uh, hear from us again on uh, um, Beyond Sunday. We're going to take a little bit of time now having wrapped up this summer series to just uh, 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 do some evaluation and what we want to do with a platform like this in the future. If this well, is phase two. Yeah. If this has been helpful to you. And you're a part of Cornerstone, man, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to know how it's been helpful to you and what can make it more helpful to you because we uh, love getting to do this together. That being said, we'll see you next time.